0: In particular, scams are central in everyone's mind in Asia-Pacific, as countries uh, historically less targeted by fraud have been confronted with unprecedented levels of attack in 2022. I'm your host, Ankit Sharma, and I've invited Cameron Church uh, and my colleague, Con, two of our foremost fraud and identity experts at Lexington Accessory Solutions, to discuss about fraud trends and cybercrime challenges impacting Australia, and how companies can drive trust and collaboration to help control fraud. Again, I'm really looking forward to this conversation, really excited to be speaking to you both. Thank you for joining us, and uh, let's get started. Why don't we just get started by a quick introduction about both of you for our audience. Cameron, you want to go first?
1: Uh, Yeah, thanks, Ed. Great to be with you today. Um, My name is Cameron Church. Uh, I've been part of the LexisNexis Risk Solutions family since the acquisition of ThreatMetrics a few years back and have been part of the Australian fraud and, and risk landscape for, for quite a mile now. So, um, no, certainly looking forward to the conversation today.
0: Thank you so much, Cameron. Great to have you. So what are you connor now?
1: I'm um, Constantine
2: Poppater of Director of Market Planning for Australia and New Zealand, um, working across um, two adjacent yet related areas, fraud and financial crime. Um, I've been with LexisNexis Free Solutions for just over 18 months now. And um, my background um, in fraud prevention um, reaches um, approximately a decade back.
0: Thanks, Con. And and great to have you both uh, again on this uh, podcast today. All right. Let's straight jump into our conversation. And, and in no particular order, I mean, Cameron, why don't we pick your brain first? I mean, we recently launched our Cybercrime Report. And, and for those of you who haven't read it, please go to our website and do grab yourself uh, a copy of that. Uh, it's an awesome asset uh, for you to quickly go uh, through and, and, and figure out uh, the fraud trends and, and, and how you can go about dealing with that within your institution. Uh, but Cameron, can you please explain the term scam? Uh, you know, we hear it quite often, more than often that we should be hearing it in the present terms. Uh, but from an Australian context, can you paint some picture for us? Uh, how are scams uh, happening in Australia versus, let's say, to some of the other regions, either Pan Asia or even globally?
1: Sure, I think it's certainly very predominant at the moment, regularly featured on on many news outlets, you know, online television, etc. The overall idea of, of what the the scams are doing, there's certainly a lot of different varieties of. However, their, their main the main intent of those scams is generally centered around. You know, trying to get funds from a, a victim as opposed to, you know, stealing, uh, credentials, for example. So stealing online banking credentials or, or other credentials still access another form of account. The, the fraudsters at the moment are, are more focusing on, particularly in Australia compared to other markets, focusing on, you know, getting their hands on, on, uh, on funds as, as quickly as possible. Yeah. There's, there's, as I said, there's certainly a lot of other types. Or a lot of sort of variations, but but that's certainly the the main goal uh, in uh, what we're seeing here in Australia.
0: You touched on a very interesting uh, aspect of uh, you know the the aspect of stealing funds and doing that very quickly, which we'll jump on to a minute, and then also the nefarious intentions, obviously, which which the scammers have. But you know, it's all also about perspective. So, Con, if I could just uh, direct the next one to you. Can you help describe, you know, how do scammers operate? What's the typical modulus operandi uh, in that sense given your experience?
2: Well there is always going to be um opportunistic crime that out there, the reality is that scammers um operate in a highly organized um fashion. Um they operate out of um dedicated call centres. Everything is is highly organized and um they come prepared. They select their target audiences, they have the right questions, they have the right background information about their, their targets. And it often sounds very, very convincing because it is industrialized. I think I can I can probably share a, a personal experience. By the way, I don't recommend anyone to do this, but sometimes, sometimes they do pick up these calls just to have a chat and see what they're after. And I had an occasion where they pretending to be calling from a bank and they said they were based in Melbourne. And you can even hear call center-like sounds in the background. And I started asking questions. Oh, really? You're based in Melbourne? Oh, just tell me more about it. Which suburb? Where are you exactly based? What What can you see out of the window? And obviously, that wasn't in their script, and you know, the call finished very quickly. Um, but I think the you know the takeaway is we shouldn't take this lightly because it is highly organized criminal activity, and it does require coding structured measures.
0: No, I mean thank you for sharing a personal example. I mean I'll also chip in here. I mean a few years ago i was very active on 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 one of the social platforms uh, i i suffered a case of identity theft where you know the people were able to take over my profile and account and they started sending all these messages uh, to all my friends asking for money and help and it it said that you know uh, i am i'm stuck I'm, i was traveling from singapore to an xyz location uh, i'm stuck and i need help for my family and then i started getting a lot of whatsapp messages from all my friends and families in concern. And they're like, Hey, Ankit, are you okay? You know, we're happy to help. You know, uh, what happened? And luckily I was contacted by my well wishers and connections. And I said, you know, this is definitely a case of fraud. I raised it up. I reported a request on the platform. Uh, and they were transferring the money into uh, an e-wallet in a South Asian market. Uh, and luckily, you know, I had some connects within the the wallet organization. I reached out to the head of compliance and fraud prevention in the wallet, and 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 got the wallet, you know, seized. And and you know, so again, I'm sure there are many examples out there that you know our listeners can can correlate to as well. But yeah, there are so many uh, use cases these days where you know, as you rightly said, Con, the fraudsters are also kind of trying to be one step uh, ahead. Uh, but another aspect that you brought out is that. How organized this whole setup has become. I mean, in Asia, we've heard like, you know, words like call centers and shared service centers, but you refer to something as scam centers, uh, which is quite kind of, uh, interesting, uh, to kind of learn and, and, and talk about. Uh, but from there, if we could kind of now delve into the types of, of scams and frauds that we are, we are seeing. Um, and Cameron, if I could just, uh, you know, come to you. In terms of alternate payment methods, I mean, Asia is right at the forefront of innovation. We are seeing a lot of innovation when it comes to payment channels uh, happening uh, within the region. Uh, Obviously, there's uh, an innovation cost you know, attached to it and also an opportunity from a fraudster perspective because they're looking at the weakest line of defense. They just have to be successful once uh, as compared to institutions and us who have to really kind of go out there and protect these attacks 100% of the time. Uh, can you give us a quick overview of of the payment landscape in Australia and how businesses in general are approaching this currently? I mean,
1: certainly to to the point that you were talking about a moment ago with your example of of funds being transferred to to an e wallet. I think that's that's certainly not only limited to Australia but but across the board, you know, is the abundance of of, of instant, faster uh, payments that are that are that are out there and and you know they are fantastic for everyday life which you know we use and and you know some you know, may take for granted from time to time but you know they they do make life a lot easier it's that that's a simple fact but unfortunately it also makes life easier for for these scammers as well and and they are taking advantage of you know of, of these types of things you know the, the the faster payments you know the infrastructure that are all new payment platform particularly here in australia you know but the uh, addition of digital wallets the addition of you know those the uh, digital payment methods that you know that are making transfers faster you know in the same way as the new payments platform is they're certainly bringing fraudsters you know closer you know to their end goal you know a lot sooner which is is making life difficult for you know for organizations to be able to handle the 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 demand for speed and and you know instant access you know balance that against you know the potential risk involved with some of these transactions. It's uh, yeah, it's certainly a, a very tricky and delicate bal- uh, balancing act, to say the least.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean, you touched on the important elements of of combining, you know, the digital intelligence side of things, plus uh, behavioral analytics and and kind of authentication, club with it, right? So, I mean, again, from a from an institution perspective, it's it's not always easy. To kind of be on top of these things without leveraging technology, which we'll kind of come to in a minute. But, Con, I think we we you know Cameron highlighted some interesting use cases around you know wallets, uh, payments, which is basically swift and real time settlement. But are there any uh, you know scam use cases that you may have observed, which a don't involve payments or are not as as real time in nature? And what's your advice to businesses in general uh, around these kind of use cases? Um, indeed,
2: there are even even though the, um, the, the the obvious or the immediate end goal is is most likely um, financial benefit, that is um, stealing stealing money, um, quite frankly. But there are other forms uh, that scams can take that uh, where the benefit may not be as obvious, or there may be even more nefarious purpose. There, a good example is loyalty fraud. Um, And we had we had a few occasions that became known in the media quite recently in Australia, where scammers are targeting loyalty um, accounts. And there are two sides to it. One side is loyalty points are a form of currency that can be quite valuable. And again, there is some kind of financial benefit down the line. But also loyalty programs collect a lot of personal information around um, about consumers with the legitimate purpose to just enable more business with them. And. Scammers may be also after getting their hands on that information because that is a very valuable asset that could be restored itself. And that enables, um, the identity takeover or any other forms of identity crime, which may have, um, again, a lot darker purposes than just, um, you know, stealing a few hundred dollars. So it is really important to be vigilant, not only when it is about, um, financial transactions, but any kind of unauthorized access to information that may belong to, um, to, to, to an individual.
0: So, I mean, if you look at the AML world, there are terms like false positives and false negatives through which, you know, uh, institutions are able to better then define their uh, AML and compliance policies or build their risk-based approach. But when it comes to building or improving fraud defenses, you know, in general, how can businesses leverage the trust element to it? I mean, and and not necessarily compromise on on giving the best user experience to their end, end consumers. What do you have to say on that?
1: The, the trust elements is certainly interesting. I think you know, where these scams are, are starting to take off or are taking off or do take off, whatever, whatever time it is, we have a, our initial reaction individually or as businesses is usually to immediately put the brakes on, is, is to immediately, you know, slow things down, make sure that we're checking that all the D's are crossed and, and the I's are dotted, which of course is fantastic. But what it doesn't do what it doesn't make for, particularly in this day and age, when we're so used to things being so, you know, instantaneous, it takes that away. It takes away the element of of that experience that the customer's used to, and for better or worse, the uh, consumer may choose to then, you know, shift platforms or shift methods, you know, that, or you know, shift uh, organisations to um you know to improve their experience, and I think. The element of trust is one that, that can be leveraged quite well and, and, you know, leveraging and understanding a customer or a, a user's, you know, patterns of behavior, whether it be from, you know, the device elements or, or, you know, the behavioral biometric profiles or, you know, what, what is normal about their interaction with uh, an, an institution, whether it be a, you know, a bank or whether it be an e-commerce service, understanding what Makes it a, a usual transaction or a normal transaction for this particular customer will make life easier for both parties. It, you know, it gives the business an opportunity to know, okay, well, everything appears normal. There isn't, there are no indicators of of compromise or risk here. So therefore, you know, let's give that customer that friction-free experience. Or you know, in the case where there there may be things that seem unusual, then in that case, uh, you know, potentially apply that friction. And that's how, you know, in those situations where, you know, there is that element of trust is present, then businesses can certainly allow in those situations to to allow that customer that, uh, you know, that better experience. I guess it's the same as if we were, you know, shopping or interacting with You know, these organizations in the physical realm walking into a store and we know someone, we know, we know when things are okay, when things are going well. It's this, it's the same sort of principle, you know, applying that same type of trust with the information that that is available to us um, or the information that can be used to establish that trust. It is certainly, I think it's now is never been a better time to actually take advantage of that information.
0: Absolutely. And and I think the key takeaway from my perspective uh, from that was basically, three pillars around trust, risk, and experience, as you very well articulated in that. So, Don, I think in the previous conversation, one of the answers we talked about, you know, the att- attack rate uh, on, the, on the payment side increasing by, you know, 50% year on year in APAC. Uh, and we've also talked about, you know, the types of scams or, or the fraud use cases in general. But, uh, you know, what can what can people like you and me do uh, to kind of prevent ourselves from these vulnerabilities? And, and what can institutions and businesses do to kind of protect themselves and their customers at large?
2: Um, yeah, I think this is probably the most important question that we, 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 we talk about today. There are a variety of measures that both sides can take. I think this one thing that's important is um, that measures need to be taken on both sides. So one side is on the consumer, and that's consumer education and consumers being vigilant about um, their behavior. As Cameron said before, in, in a slightly different context, you know, what is, what is normal? Would, would a bank normally interact with a consumer in, in, in that specific way they appear to be doing today? Anything that seems suspicious probably is. Anything that seems unusual probably is. Don't, don't answer unsolicited calls. Don't answer calls from numbers that you don't know that, um, that you haven't, you haven't been expecting. If it is that important, they'll find another channel to contact you be careful and, and by the way, this is not a, a, a exhaustive list of measures um you know be careful when you're accessing public wi fi so all these things consumer need to be accustomed that you know maybe the world isn't um digitally as safe as it may have appeared to be and um become a lot more vigilant in their day-to-day activities and also use resources. Their financial institution would have um, plenty of resources about how to prevent scams. Don't ignore those messages warning you about scams when you log on to internet banking. Read them and think about them. So that's one part of the complex measures that need to be taken on both sides, the consumers. Also with government support, um, ac um, has also a lot of resources in the newly established Scam Center in Australia. And on the side of businesses, obviously taking, um, taking technological measures to, um, to protect themselves and their consumers, um, or their customers from, from scams. And another aspect is, um, the collaboration, um, between, between different institutions, be it, um, private to private or private to public, because ultimately, um, there are public bodies that, um, um deal with the consequences of, um, um, of, of, of scam from, um, I guess from justice point of view. And that includes also sharing information for fraud prevention purposes, um, which is something quite important because the criminal community would take advantage in knowing that um, the information, um, fraud prevention information, not the siloed between departments, but also between different organizations. And that kind of, um, that kind of lack of visibility potentially makes it, um, makes it easier for them to commit crime. So, and we don't want that. We want to make it harder. So collaboration is really important. Data sharing is really important. Um, and even on global level. Um, and a good example of that is LexisNexis Digital Identity Network, which is by design a form of global fraud prevention consortium where you get visibility if crime has been committed in one part of the globe. And that then potentially can travel very, very quickly. Um, and we want to stop that in real time so it is really important to collaborate and to share information as well as educate consumers and take um, measures to protect your own business and, and, and customers from um, from scam and fraud
0: thanks John. there was there was as you said not exhaustive but i think a, a good checklist to start with and and you touched on two important points uh, one in terms of the ppp model or you know any sort of collaboration or partnership model that can be kind of uh, envisioned And the second thing is around the pyramid of people, process and technology. Right. So, you know, you you cannot just be pivoted to one or two. I mean, it has to be a good equilibrium among the three, um, as you rightly articulated. So thank you for that. As they say, I mean, all good things must come to an end. And as we are we are nearing towards the end of our very insightful podcast. Before I let you guys go, if I could just pick your uh, minds in terms of, uh, you know, some crystal gazing for, uh, for the benefit of our, uh, listeners. Uh, what are, what are the trends that you guys are currently watching out, uh, in the market and, 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 uh, you know, what's, what's keeping you up at night? Uh, Con, maybe if we could start with you. I think there is, there is one thing that's on my mind and that is, um, artificial
2: intelligence. Um, it has been, it has been a subject of a lot of debates in the media. It's been everywhere. We've seen examples of it. And what I'm worried about, what keeps me up at night is, how potentially that, what, what, what could it do if it falls into the wrong hands? And, and I'm, I'm almost sure it's already there and I'm fearful of the consequences and we need to start preparing for it before it, it really has, has become an urgent issue. Um, so that's really what, um, I'm quite worried about.
0: Thanks. Cameron, what do you have to say on that?
1: Yeah, I have to agree with Con, the element of, of artificial intelligence. Is yeah, certainly a lot of risk involved or potential risk involved there. I would sort of take a, a bit of a look back at you know some of the more recent events that we've experienced here in Australia, and that's data breaches. I think what we've seen historically in other markets where there are you know data breaches, there usually follows uh, a rise in fraud as a result of that. So the additional data that, that fraudsters of all sorts of or all varieties, um, but particularly scammers, can get their hands on. To make themselves seem more legitimate. So, for example, rather than a scammer cold calling and saying that they're from a random bank that you've never banked with or never heard of, for that matter, it may give them, you know, information to say, hey, you know, we know that you bank with Bank X, so therefore, you know, hey, let's let's start the call with here's a list of Bank X's, you know. Quote unquote customers, um, or, you know, we know that, you know, this is your address and, you know, just confirming you live here sort of thing to just to make the conversation seem more legitimate. You know, I would start to see a little bit of worry. I've probably seen, I've seen a little bit of it, um, in recent times, but I, I don't think it's, it's, it's far to, to hear that, you know, that sort of data will, will get into the hands of not only criminals or cyber criminals who are attempting to do this without the actual customer or user knowing, but yeah, scammers are certainly not, it's not beyond them to, to attempt to, to use this type of data to their advantage. And, and, you know, they can certainly be more successful, you know, knowing more about the end customer before, um, you know, they make their call or they send their text. It, it just, uh, yeah, will make them seem more believable, um, which is going to, you know, convince or, you know, swindle, you know, more people, um, out of their hard earned money.
0: Absolutely. And I think that's a good note to end uh, the conversation. Uh, I mean, it's been an absolute privilege to to, to have this conversation, with both of you. Thank you again for sharing these great insights. And I'm sure the listeners have enjoyed as much as I have today uh, interacting with both of you. And thank you again for your time. Thank you, guys. The information provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to and shall not be used as legal advice. The views and opinions expressed in this program are solely those of the speakers and don't necessarily reflect the views or position of LexisNexis resolutions. Texas Nexus Resolutions does not warrant that the information provided in this podcast is accurate or error-free.